Hi folks, this is Abel James and welcome to Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. Right now, I'm actually coming at you from a field in the middle of California, which is just awesome. We're here with Pedram Shojai, past guest of the show and the film crew. We're going to be doing some other filming here. And Dave Asprey is over there probably injecting himself with something crazy. Hopefully he brought enough for the rest of us. <laughs> so uh, on this week's show, we have another person who we were just hanging out with. His name is Josh Axe. And a really interesting part of it is getting in depth about stevia. A lot of people have kind of brought that up as a very safe alternative to sugar. In a lot of cases, what you find on the shelves at grocery stores these days is something that is so far removed from stevia that it's more like NutraSweet or aspartame or one of those other chemical artificial sweeteners that you don't want to touch. So we're going over on the show how you guys can uh, go into the grocery store or hop on the internet and get some stevia that actually does taste really good and is good for you as well. And so we talk about how to sweeten your foods, uh, the benefits in performance for eating uh, healthy foods and eating real whole foods because that's totally Josh's deal as well. Uh, so we have a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy this show. If you don't mind, then please leave a review on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you might be listening to or watching this show. I really appreciate it. All right, let's go hang out with Josh. All right, folks, we're here with Dr. Josh Axe, who's an author, radio host, and physician for professional athletes. He's also, I think I read this on his blog, one of the top 25 most beautiful people in Nashville. Is that is that right, Josh? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's uh, that's what they say. So. <laughs> so those of you who haven't checked out a video show yet, this is the one for you. Josh, how's it going? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on, Abel. Yeah, totally. We're going to have some fun. I was looking at your blog before we started this up, and it seems like we agree about almost everything. There was a really kick butt one about Stevia, which I'd love to talk about in a little bit. But why don't we get started by just tell folks a little bit more about who you are, where you come from, and sure. why you're doing what you do. Sure. Well, again, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of your show, big fan of podcasts. Cool. And you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. I had a clinic here for about five years. And really what got me into the health health and wellness industry was a health crisis I had in my own family. And I think for a lot of us yeah. in the health industry, either we had a crisis or somebody in our family or someone we know. And for me, about 20 years ago, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And this was actually shocking to me at the time. I was in junior high and my mom was my gym teacher at school. She was a swim instructor. So my mom was really fit and athletic, but yet yeah. still diagnosed with cancer. And being from Ohio, she went through all the traditional medical treatments. We went up to the Cleveland Clinic and she went through chemotherapy and had a mastectomy. And I can still remember this day, her hair falling out, how sick she got and just saying yeah. to myself, I never want to see anyone have to go through that again. You know, and praise God, she was brought through it and diagnosed as cancer-free and healthy. But for the next 10 years after going through chemo, yeah. she was sicker than ever, got put on antidepressant drugs, <laughs> had gut issues with chronic constipation, and was just sick all the time with chronic fatigue for 10 years. In fact, at one time, I, I had thought she had spent probably half of her life in bed. Yeah. And 10 years later... She was actually diagnosed as cancer again. But at this point, I was actually living in Florida. I was working as a nutritionist in a clinic, and I was actually in chiropractic college. And my mom calls me and says, hey, I've just been diagnosed again. What, what do you think I should do? Yeah. And I flew home and really just felt like we were being led to take care of her all naturally. And so we started 
doing things like uh, Gershon therapy and Budwig protocol, doing high probiotic foods, juicing uh, certain types of vegetables, mm-hmm. low in sugar every day, and, and just started following this diet along with doing every other thing we could possibly do in the natural world. And after four months, we went back to the oncologist and the tumors had shrunk in half after wow. another nine months complete remission. And today, it's been almost 10 years since that. Second time, my mom's in the best shape of her life. In fact, her and my father retired down to Florida. She water skates every day. She's ran three, five Ks with me in the past few years and gotten second or age group. So for me, that's really where my passion comes from. And I told my patients in so my clinic is that, you know what, I take care of everybody like they're my own mother or yeah. father. I really, you know, really believe that we should take care of patients in that manner. So since then, I again had a clinic in Nashville, as I said, for five years, I actually transitioned out of my clinic about a year ago uh, in order to do really full-time content creation and media and speaking and some of the things that I really love to do. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and I've had an cr- incredible opportunity with a few other things. I've been able to be on Dr. Oz recently. I've been a physician for some Olympic athletes over the years, which has been a lot of fun. But, you know, my biggest uh, passion is helping people every day live their very best life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, and that's how I, why I started DrX.com, which today is one of the, you know, fastest growing health uh, health and wellness sites uh, in the world, which, uh, which is a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Awesome. So your mom's story is something that used to be rare. Right. I was just talking to my fiance, Allison, about this. Someone came over to the house and she was a couple of years older than us. And she um, she told us that she'd recently gone through chemo. And it used to be the case that, you know, that was for what I'm using air quotes here, old sick people. Right. Like old sick oh, people yeah. get, get cancer. But I think probably anyone who's listening to the show right now has been touched by cancer in one way or another. And, and most likely it wasn't from someone who was old and sick yet. It was probably a surprise. I I even remember when I was in college, one of my classmates, you know, disappeared from class for a few weeks. And then we found out that she died from cancer. Um, and it was just, you know, deep in her bones and there was no turning back and it was just, you know, and then she was gone. And so obviously she found a way to kind of turn that around a bit, your mom, what would you say was the biggest thing that made the change? What can people do to help reverse this epidemic, all these epidemics that are happening at the same time. Sure. Well, I think I think there are several things that are really important, and I'm going to hit on three key things we saw with my mom. And one of those things um, actually has to do with stress. You know, my mom taught special ed for 30 years, yeah. and it was a really, really high stress environment. The wor- uh, she worked in the inner city, and that was really stressful on top of it. And so I think that reducing levels of stress, and this is something doctors tell people to do. They say. Go reduce stress. Right. And that's it. It's like, thanks a lot. How do I do that? Thanks. And no. one of the things, yeah, one of the things I do with my patients is I'll have them get out a sheet of paper and write down on one side all the things that are stressing them out. And we'll go through each of those things and say, hey, here's how to here's how to address this. Cool. Some most of the stuff is stuff they could never fix in the first place, like mm-hmm. the weather. And so it's, hey, you just, you know, gotta give that up on the other <laughs> don't side. Don't be stressed. I, yeah, don't be stressed. <laughs> The other side, I have them write down all the things they love to do that bring them joy. And, yeah. and you'd be, I mean, I'm shocked at sometimes how many people go through their entire week without doing anything they like to do, without any them time. And so we'll schedule in those times of peace building mm-hmm. and those, 
you know, shopping with a friend or lunch with, uh, you know, with their spouse or whatever it is. And so Mm -hmm. we schedule those things in. So I think stress is, it really is a killer. It's a big deal for people. The second thing I would say is digestive health. You know, Hippocrates is famous for saying health begins in the gut. Mm -hmm. And my experience has been with patients is that, you know what? Gut health is the most important thing you could address just in general for anybody. And, you know, one of the big things that I write about on my site, and I'm currently writing a book on this, is how to heal leaky gut. Mm-hmm. And leaky gut, you know, proteins like gluten, it's the issue. It was one of the, one of the many issues leak through the gut, recirculate, and even cause thyroid issues and autoimmune disease over time and so many other health issues. And so I really believe starting with the, with the gut is a really important thing. And then for somebody, let's say, like my mom with a severe, severe chronic illness, I think really focusing on obviously nutrient-dense foods, so much of what you teach, Abel, even in, in fat burning, but also mm-hmm. relates to healing course, at a yeah. c- cellular level. And so I think that that mindset, you know, one of the things I wrote about in a, in a recent uh, article I wrote was thinking like an Olympian. You know, when I had a chance to work with these Olympic athletes, it was awesome because mm-hmm. when I was working with Ryan Lochte and some of the others, a, a lot of the guys would come up to me, and it, it was actually shocking how little they knew about nutrition. I mean, they literally had no clue how to yeah. eat. In fact, they hired a dietitian from University of Colorado, and she was having them drink chocolate milk and chocolate syrup after all of their race. That's what she had as their recovery. I remember drink. doing that. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> like, really? But the, the thing I loved about it was they were so hungry. They always come up to me. Right. They're like, okay, what do I got to eat right after I work out yeah. right before? And to, you know, I mean, it was this. And so I, I tell my patients this, I'm like, think like an Olympian, mm-hmm. always be asking the question, not what, cause the most common question you and I get are, Hey, what can I get away with? Can yeah, I still right. keep eating, you know, pizza and white bread mm-hmm. or soda or this or that? And it's, I, those start asking the question, what do I got to put in my body to be the best I can be? Yeah. And so we really did that with my mom when she was sick. And I do that with my patients now is not what you can get away with. What is the ideal thing you can put in your body for every single meal and not, you know, making it taste, everything doesn't have to taste like, yeah. you know, motor oil and vinegar, but it can taste great. You know, if, if you yeah. know how to make good, healthy recipes, which I know you've got some incredible recipe apps uh, as well. So people have plenty of choices there on healthy recipes. But I think reducing stress, digestive health, and thinking yeah. like an Olympian are all things that, that really help. So that's fascinating. I want to talk about all those things. But um, let's start with uh, one of the questions that I do get a lot is, what do I eat before my workout, after my workout? What are Olympians doing? You know, I really think that if you're going to be doing, let's say, more of a intense workout, you really don't want to have a lot of fat before you work out. It's Mm -hmm. really, it takes longer to digest uh, that system. Uh, or that type of fuel isn't going to be used unless you're doing a longer, slower endurance, like right. an Ironman triathlete, uh, triathlon. And so really most of the time I have them do uh, simple sugars, typically in the form of fruit and honey right before a workout, along with some simple, uh, quickly absorbed proteins, something like a grass-fed whey mm-hmm. or even some amino acids like collagen found in gelatin. Mm-hmm. Those are the perfect things to do before working out. Because if you think about it, you can't eat a burger before a workout right. because there's so much complexity in breaking down uh, long-chain fats and some of these complex proteins, especially even starches are harder to break down than sugars. Yeah. So again, simple sugars, and then amino acids or proteins like whey that quickly are broken down into aminos. So I typically do, let's say like a banana Mm -hmm. and some collagen or 
maybe some other sort of fruit and some whey protein. That's what yeah. I do before a workout. And then after a workout, um, try and get a little bit higher source of protein. Typically before a workout, I do about four to one ratio, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And then after a workout, slightly higher protein, try and get 20 to 40 grams uh, of typically, um, you know, I try and do real food for that typically, yeah. let's say like a grass fed burger. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then antioxidants, there's actually some good studies on antioxidants supporting recovery, even from things like wild caught salmon is fantastic because yeah. it has astaxanthin. But I think really focusing on antioxidants, protein, good carbs after a workout is really, really important as well. And then throughout the rest of the day, mm-hmm. when you're not doing it directly around a workout, getting healthy fats throughout the day is mm-hmm. obviously pretty important too. So what would you recommend? Because a lot of people hear that and, you know, if you're over 200 pounds or whatever, wouldn't recommend Gatorade or something like that, or even simple sugars in most cases. What do you do with people who are not Olympic athletes or not in the athlete level of physical shape? What do you recommend to them if they're, instead of performance, focusing more on like fat loss? Does it change much or is it still kind of the same thing? Sure. Well, you know, I know there's a lot of different philosophies out there via, you know, paleo community versus uh, bodybuilding community. And let sure. me say, there are different ways to burn fat. Right. I mean, I know plenty of oh, people there's that have so gone, many ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can restrict calories. You can just restrict a certain macronutrient like fat or carbs, and your body can lose weight. I think that if somebody's going to do something a short term, let's say somebody 30 day period, they want to lose 20 pounds, which mm-hmm. which I know I've seen people lose that much weight in that amount of time. Sure. Then following more of that ketogenic diet for a short time, mm-hmm. I think of really doing loads of healthy protein and fat. And again, not conventional pork and right. beef fat and all that sort of garbage, but loads of vegetables and meat. If you can do that for 30 days, you're going to drop some major, major weight. I think long-term though, staying on a ketogenic yeah. diet or eliminating fruits altogether and some of those other things is actually very hard on your body hormonally. Yeah. Uh, and so for that reason, I don't re- recommend that as a long-term action plan, but hey, for a 30-day plan, more of like a cleansing or fat loss program for 30 mm-hmm. days, I think that's good. And then afterwards to maintain the weight loss at a more moderate pace mm-hmm. than getting on, I'm a huge fan of the GAPS diet. And yeah. those sort of diets where it's doing things that are easiest on your body. We are so hard on our body today right. and all this stuff we eat from all the isolated foods and all the other things we've done over time. Most of us need to let our systems heal. And so three things I recommend, simple carbs, simple protein, simple fats. When I use the word simple, I mean really fruits and then raw honey as a sweetener. Mm-hmm. That's really what I recommend if somebody's trying to heal a gut issue for fats doing short chain fats and medium chain fats like found in coconut oil mm-hmm. and then even raw fermented dairy like a wild, like a raw kefir yeah. those are the easy or butter i mean those are the easiest fats to digest actually way easier than olive oil your body has to go through a 26 step process mm-hmm. to break down these polyunsaturateds and monos versus these short chain fats and then protein very some actually protein tends to be easier to digest, but especially uh, aminos like collagen. Actually, there's really no digestion necessarily Mm -hmm. in terms of breaking it down. Wild-caught salmon is fantastic. Of course, some of the other sources of protein. But if somebody can follow more of that type of diet, Mm -hmm. I really think they're going to continue to lose weight really, really rapidly and heal, which is great. Right. I I totally agree with that. Let's touch on sweeteners a little bit. So honey is, is unique because I think it's, you know, we've been using it for so long. It's something that's not like a, a concentrate, whereas pretty much every other sweetener is in one way or another a concentrate. And, and that's basically turning 
you know, the leaf into cocaine or whatever. Um, anytime you concentrate right. something to the nth degree, if, if you're, you know, that's or if it's an artificial sweetener, then maybe it's concentrating a pesticide or something like that in someone's mouth. Right. But honey is is different. Why don't we um, why don't we talk a little bit about the benefits of using a natural sweetener like that over, say, uh, what typically you'd find in uh, in a grocery store in a powdered or liquid form? And then we can talk a little bit about stevia, because I think that's a really good example of how things can go right and wrong. Because yeah. it's not like stevia is good. We can't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. You know, it's so hard because I mean, I know for what you and I do, Abel, in teaching these health principles so long, we're put in a t- tough situation sometimes yeah. because people ask, "Is stevia healthy?" Right. And it is so hard today to give one-word answers. Yeah. Yes or no. Yeah. If people ask me about honey, is it healthy? Yes or no. If, right. Is dairy healthy? <laughs> yes. Sometimes no. It's really, really hard to answer, but I'll do my best here. So honey, I believe is if you're going to use a isolated sweetener or a food-based sweetener, aside from just fruit, I think that honey is the best thing out there today and several reasons for that. Uh, Number one is it actually has a lot of antimicrobial properties. Mm -hmm. A lot of sugars you consume and really even including things like maple syrup and especially agave nectar and some of these others, they're more concentrated, like you've said which is an issue. And then on top of that, there's no antimicrobial properties there. So if somebody has candida especially, it gets in their gut. It can ferment there. That's a great thing about honey is it's antimicrobial. It's not going to ferment and typically create major candida issues unless someone has a major candida issue. But in most cases, it's not going to cause that issue in their Mm -hmm. gut. So that's one great thing about honey is that it's antimicrobial. The second thing is it's simple to digest. Of all the sweeteners out there, nothing is more simple for your body to digest. After that, it contains pollen. And if you can buy honey raw and locally, there are certain things uh, pollen-wise that can actually help your body adapt to your surroundings. And this would be a whole other topic that I'm not going to get into. I'm just going to mention it. This is also why I'm the biggest fan of probiotics that are Mm soil-based organisms. And I think food-based are good, Mm -hmm. but I think soil-based are even more important. But these things like soil-based probiotics and pollen and honey actually support your immune system and help your body adapt to all of your surroundings, which we've really lost because we live in these sanitated, you know, or super, you know, this uh, age of antibiotics where everything is, you know, super sanitized, which yeah. isn't actually good. Right. So for that reason, honey is a great sweetener. And then also honey is not just a sugar. Honey is a food. Mm-hmm. Honey has enzymes. It contains prebiotics. It contains a certain profile of even amino acids and minerals. And so for that reason, honey is also a great sweetener. But I want to mention this. There was a study done at Texas A&M and they found that 77% of honey today has no pollen in it whatsoever. Wow. And if you go to a fast food restaurant, or a large grocery chain, 0% of the average honey has any pollen in it. Mm -hmm. So it's not real honey. So again, when we're talking about honey here, you and I, I know we're both talking about the same thing, but for everyone else listening, make sure it's raw and ideally local honey. You can pick it up at your local farmer's market, sometimes Whole Foods, those sort of places or local health food stores. But really want to encourage you, make sure it's raw local honey. And it's been used for, as you're saying, thousands of years. In fact, I've got recipes on my website for acne-free face wash with raw honey and tea tree oil and things like that. I mean, it's great. It's cleansing. It's um, got a lot of health benefits. And so that's why I'm a huge, huge fan of honey. Yeah. And one of the biggest things about all of this, and this will apply when we talk about uh, stevia too, is that like the reason you can't give a one word answer 
is because it's just not the same thing anymore. And even though it says, like you said, honey, at the grocery store, this is one of the things that totally bugs me out and kind of like makes me angry. If you see wheat or corn or honey or almost anything else, it still has the same name. And it's just like, you get that question. I, I get this question a lot. It's just like, well, Ava, why would I spend $10 for a big honeycomb of honey from the local farmer's market when I can buy honey at the grocery store for, you know, like two ninety nine? Right. And the answer is because only one of those things is actually honey. And the other one is just hijacking that name and trying to sell right. you syrup. Yeah. But it's so hard to kind of like come to your own conclusion about that because there's a little bit of a bummer. You really do have to watch out for yourself a lot. So let's talk about stevia because that used to we used to be able to safely say if it's stevia. Yeah, go for it because we had to worry way less about that particular sweetener because the food manufacturers hadn't screwed it up yet. But now they have. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I want to pre-frame this too. So we'll talk about uh, stevia. I want to mention this with both honey and stevia as mm -hmm. well. Both of these things are meant to be consumed in moderation. I had a patient once who we were selling raw honey out of my clinic. We had a farmer bringing it in and this, this she was not losing weight. And I'm like, what is going on? And literally I saw her, this guy would bring in gallons of, of raw honey, but she was doing like a gallon a month of raw, wow. like, yeah. Or it might have even been a week. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just know, listen, uh, you don't need a lot. I mean, when I say I do raw honey, I do a tablespoon right. or so a day, you know, yeah. and, I, and I'm working out and I'm healthy, you know, and all those sure. things. So, again, just want to preframe this. Stevia as well. Stevia mm -hmm. and honey should both be used in moderation. But here's the deal with stevia. There are really four sort of levels of stevia here. You have this plain stevia leaf. You have green leaf stevia, white stevia which is also known as uh, rebidicide uh, or rebidicide A. Mm -hmm. And then you have things like Truvia, which are most common on the market right now. There's a mix of both white stevia and then um, basically Truvia, which is rebidicide GMO erythritol mm -hmm. and along with certain other chemicals. And so that's the thing with stevia is stevia is a natural herb. In fact, it's been used by those in South America for yeah. thousands upon thousands of years. It's been used it's in China. fascinating. Oh, it's totally amazing. I was interviewing a, a, a friend of ours, Donna Gates, about mm -hmm. it, and she's one of the people that actually made stevia sort of well-known and popular here in America. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's cool. just, um, yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's an amazing sweetener. You know, there are actually over uh, 200 species grown all throughout South America. But the thing I want to bring up about stevia is traditionally the way they did it is they took the leaf. And they, uh, you know, they put it in a, in a grinding pot and they just sort of ground it down at the leaf into this green powder. Mm -hmm. And you can actually buy green leaf stevia today. And some of it has a slightly bitter aftertaste. But overall, if you're using a little bit of it, it is the best sort of stevia to get because it's the leaf ground. I mean, yeah. that's really what it is. So then we have the white stevia powder, which is rubuticide A. And basically, this is where you're isolating part of that green stevia leaf. So there are two really main parts of stevia there, and you're extracting the one. And that's the sweetest part. That's the part that is, makes up the white stevia leaf. And now that sort of stevia has been shown to actually even have some health benefits. Mm -hmm. it, it, I still think for most people, it's an okay option. The problem is with big companies now coming in and finding out that stevia is a health buzzword, right. of course, they're going to use that for marketing. So companies like Truvia now uh, are coming out with, you know, they have their own sweetener. So Truvia and certain other companies are following this steps. And here's what I want to mention about this. This altered Stevia or Truvia, it's been uh, actually done by the Coca-Cola company. Mm -hmm. And it actually goes through a 42-step process. 
of basically making it 400 times sweeter than sugar. And the other thing they add in, though, is GMO corn. And so there's a byproduct in there as well, or a, another uh, ingredient. It's called erythritol, but it's from GMO corn as well as certain other chemicals. So the issue today is if people are using Truvia or some of these highly altered stevia, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're getting you're getting GMOs in there. You're getting chemicals. You're getting a lot of things that we know are cause disease today. And there are actually there are some fantastic studies on stevia actually helping out uh, with diabetes supporting diabetes and mm-hmm. weight loss and other health conditions, blood sugar balance. And so um, I, I really think that it's a great option. Green stevia, even white stevia in moderation, mm-hmm. but this Truvia and the highly uh, processed stevias aren't the best. I know that there's a brand out there now, uh, Sweet Leaf, which I think is a better option. There's mm-hmm. a, a brand called Stevita Stevia, another white stevia powder, or you can even go to a website like Mountain Rose Herbs and buy just the plain green leaf stevia. Yeah. And I think if you're buying stevia, that's the way to go. I don't recommend Truvia for that reason. Right. But again, you know, you've got a one-step process of grinding something down a probably three or four step process and mm-hmm. extracting the white stevia powder versus a 42 step process and making Truvia, we know it's not good. And there's no studies yeah. on Truvia yet. I mean, there's right. none whatsoever. So they're saying, hey, we're, we're Stevia. Yeah. Well, Truvia, no, you're not. You're right. not Stevia exactly. You're this highly <laughs> processed thing and it doesn't uh, doesn't really work that way. And so. it's amazing like how much they can screw it up too. It's like, oh. how, could you screw up stevia any more than they did? So they, they took something that was perfectly fine, maybe even beneficial, that's actually a green leaf, as opposed to where they usually start, which is actually a pesticide for most of their sweeteners or some sort of synthetic. So it's right. usually starting in a lab. But they So they take stevia, which is this beautiful thing, and then they, just for good measure, add in GMO corn and a bunch of chemicals and a bunch of fillers and other stuff like that. And then, um, you know, it does the same thing that every other artificial sweetener does by kind of hijacking your brain and your taste buds, tricking you into thinking that the food that you're having or the drink that you're having is uh, doing something good in your body or doing something in your body when in fact it's not doing that thing. Your body gets confused, then you get sick. It's We've seen this play out in so many different ways, so many different times. Oh, yeah. Just know that uh, when it comes to stevia, go for the green stuff if you can. Um, that's what we have. I, I think it was like eight bucks. Maybe it was 12 bucks. We got this big bag of that stuff. We just ordered it from some website online. Allison knows them better than I do. Um, and it's, it's not hard to do. It'll probably last us. I would imagine one to two years. Like, Oh yeah. It's not yet. Sure. It's more expensive than sugar, but like if you're buying a gallon of of honey, like every week, like that gets pretty expensive too. Oh yeah. It adds up. (laughs) Don't be afraid of that, Stevia. So before we go, we have a couple more minutes. Leaky gut is something I'd love to have you talk a little bit about because I think there's starting to be buzz around it for a while there. The medical community kind of just said like, doesn't exist. Don't worry about that. In the same way they said like, oh yeah, diet doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) So why don't we talk about what is leaky gut? How can we prevent it? Um, How can we heal it In, in a few minutes anyway? Yeah, sure. Well, I think leaky gut is something when people first hear it, they think, well, I couldn't have that. But let me say this. If you have any sort of food allergies or food sensitivities, you probably have leaky gut. If you have major issues with gluten or casein or even have arthritis or thyroid problems like 
Hashimoto's or mm -hmm. any autoimmune illness, you probably have a leaky gut. And I really got turned on to leaky gut first when I started working with children in the aut autistic community, finding that I would put them on a gluten freight casein-free diet, mm -hmm. and they would see tremendous results. And then we started working on their gut health, and that's really when I got turned on to it uh, several years ago. And so leaky gut is basically imagine it like this. Your intestines are the gatekeepers of your body. So mm -hmm. your intestines work like, like a net. You can through inflammation of the gut over time can get a hole in your net to where things then start leaking through and going right through your intestinal wall. Things like gluten, casein, heavy metals leak through, they recirculate then in your body and then they'll cause um, thyroid issues or joint pain and arthritis or these autoimmune conditions. So really it goes leaky gut to food intolerance to inflammation of immune abnormalities and eventually can turn into autoimmune disease. And so in healing leaky gut, the first thing you have to do is remove those foods that are causing intestinal mm -hmm. inflammation. Uh, gluten is a big one. A1 casein and conventional cow's milk is a big one. Of course, just processed foods, a lot of isolated foods are an issue. Um, and then in order to heal leaky gut, really following a diet most similar to GAPS. And by the way, I've got an article on this on my website. It's one of our most popular articles called Four Steps to Heal Leaky Gut. Cool. But there are we'll certain that. foods that really support healing. Uh, bone broth is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I am a huge fan of bone broth. In fact, many of my patients to heal their gut, I'd put them on a bone broth fast where nice. they would be drinking you know, 32 ounces of just bone broth a day for three days. And then afterwards, really getting into um, organic meats are great. Like salmon is easy to break down. Mm -hmm. uh, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut is great. Raw goat's milk kefir. Mm -hmm. uh, can be really good for certain people with gut issues because you need to replace those probiotics. And by the way, the biggest thing today that causes leaky gut are prescription antibiotic drugs. Mm -hmm. Number one thing that causes them. And the problem is, is that these antibiotics not only kill the bad bacteria, they kill the good bacteria in your gut. Right. That's a massive part of your immune system. I'm sure you've had people quote on here before, 80% sure. of your immune system is your gut. It's true. In fact, you aren't what you eat either. You're also what you digest. If you're not digesting properly, you can't be healthy. And so you've really got to work on repairing your gut. And the other thing I want to mention here about antibiotics on the side, there are so many good replacements today yeah. that don't damage your gut lining if used in the right way, like oil of oregano mm -hmm. and clove oil and tea tree oil and some of these essential oils that are becoming so popular today. These are much better options along with loading up with probiotics over time. So if somebody has leaky gut, really focusing on that simple diet, like I said, like more of a GAPS diet, yeah. doing bone broth and a lot of vegetables, like a lot of vegetable soups with real bone broth, and then loading up on both probiotic supplements and probiotic-rich foods. Mm -hmm. And when you're taking a probiotic supplement, the soil-based probiotics are the best, which typically, if you want to know what those are, they'll say bacillus before them mm -hmm. in most cases. Uh, but that's a great species of probiotics. And that's a whole nother thing. In fact, well, I'm not going to get into it. I was going to talk about, yeah, I am actually. Go for so, it. yeah. So, you know, we used to go and eat food, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from, let's say from a local farmer or in fact, 40% of people, uh, hundred years ago were in some way working in farming. Right. And so, you know, if you go to your local farmer's market, like I just bought carrots there on Saturday and there was a little bit like you know, they were clean, but yet there's like a little bit of dirt in the carrots. Do you guys mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not, it's not like when you buy those little baby carrots and they're like glistening. <laughs> um, but those, 
that little bit of dirt on there embedded in there, those are probiotics. Mm -hmm. Those are soil-based organisms. And a medical study came out a couple years ago that said that actually helps you in breaking down starches in the food. So if you're eating yams or certain other foods and those bacteria on there, here's the other thing about those probiotics. They're heat resistant to a certain degree. So you can even cook them with that on there. You're eating them. You're still getting probiotics mm -hmm. when you're digesting food. They're helping you break it down. They're also helping you get used to the different things we're surrounded with. So, so many people today are struggling with things like allergies. Right. Part of the reason is they haven't been consuming raw honey with pollen. They haven't been consuming foods that haven't been, you know, I saw an article recently where their carrots are, you know, this whole article, they said they're soaked in chlorine. That's typically not true, but typically mm -hmm. they are sprayed with a chlorinated solution with a lot of these carrots today. And so you are, I mean, those antibiotics are going into you. You're not getting any of the probiotics. So that's a whole nother issue. But I really think going back to eating the way we were originally designed to eat, and even with a condition like leaky gut, very similar thing, getting back, getting those soil paste probiotics, which you can get in supplement form mm -hmm. from probably about 2% of companies putting out probiotics have soil-based probiotics. 2%? Or, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, most, uh, most of the species today are acidophilus and lactobacillus. They mm -hmm. are dairy strains of probiotics, which are good, mm -hmm. but they're definitely not the probably the best quality of probiotics out there. Right. And so there are several brands. I've my own brand, not to give myself a plug, but Axe Naturals, we do a live probiotics. There's another great one. I've seen many people... Um, promote uh, called Prescript Assist is another good one. So again, but these so, uh, primal defense from Garden of Life, but these mm -hmm. are more soil-based probiotics, and that's why they're typically, um, you know, done by by higher rated companies and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, very cool. So food and all this stuff that's around us is information. Your body uses that uh, oh, and yeah. needs that to respond and stay strong. Your immune system needs information. We don't we thought for a while there that the more sanitized the environment, the better off we were. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So yeah, we do the same thing. Farmer's market on Saturday, we get those carrots and we make sure that they're covered in a little bit of grime and we just eat them as snacks. <laughs> like, and it's, oh, yeah. It's great, you know. Um, oh, yeah. In, in fact, we don't really get sick. If I, uh, the, the only thing that makes me sick is lack of sleep and stress. And uh, oh. no, even if your diet is completely dialed in, even if you're exercising, and sometimes especially if you're exercising, all that stuff, like... You just have to nail those things or else it's going to catch up with you. And so I don't get excited necessarily about the new pathways that we find about how the body works biochemically. I get excited when science proves something that we've kind of known or should have known all along. Oh, it's yeah. like, eat some dirt. Don't be worried about <laughs> that. You know, it's good for you. It's good for your gut. And so I think um, gut health in a lot of ways is driving that forward because we're, we're finding that all these grimy, gross things that we used to think we didn't want to have anything to do with, especially, you know, <laughs> cough, cough fecal transplants are things that actually do, as it turns out, make us healthy. healthy and oh, yeah. that is what we need is to get out there in the dirt and the grime and get back to, you know, just having some dirt under our fingernails. It's good for you. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh. we only have a couple minutes left. But um, before we go, why don't we tell uh, folks where they can find you and what you're working on now? Sure. Uh, well, you can find me at my health website, drax.com. That's D-R-A-X-E.com. And we've got some great free resources for you there. I've got a free ebook called Superfood Super You. We've got that article on four steps to heal leaky gut. And I've got a new article that's really popular right now called The Six Metabolism Death Foods, those foods that you're probably eating that are ruining your metabolism. Also, I've got a fitness program that um, uh, called Burst Fit. So you can check out burstfit.com. Uh, it's exercising 20 minutes, three times a week, getting 
the best shape of your life. And some of the things I'm working on now, uh, actually we're uh, relaunching uh, my health website on a new platform. We're excited about all the new content we're going to have there. Nice. And I'm writing, writing a book on how to heal leaky gut, spending a lot of time studying and writing right now and uh, working on that coming out. And so excited about that. And those are some of the big things. So um, also you can feel free to f- visit my uh, Facebook page. We've got a great community online there. And again, a lot of free resources on DrX.com. And Abel, I appreciate you having me. I'm a huge fan of your work. And uh, you're, you're a great interviewer, probably maybe the best I've ever been interviewed by. You're just, oh, thanks, um, yeah, you got a great, great podcast here and show. And so I uh, just appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. It's Dr. Axe. Dot com and uh, definitely check out that Stevia article. Your uh, metabolism disaster article is fantastic as well. I agree with pretty much all of that too. So we'll be sure to link to that in the blog post. So uh, you can always find this show and other shows at fatburningman.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And thanks, Josh, for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email, and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman. And on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well, and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.